Welcome to the Looper Podcast, the show where we make the rounds with interesting golf personalities. Here's your host, Eric Payton. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into the show today. I really appreciate you downloading and listening to this episode. Before we get started, if you like the show, please be sure to give it a five-star rating on whatever platform you use to listen. That would really help us out. In this episode, as you can tell from the title, it's with golf writer Tom Coyne. He's a senior writer at the Golfer's Journal and also hosts the Golfer's Journal podcast, and he's written several books on the game. He's currently working on his next book, which we talk about in this episode, and it was so great to talk to him about his experiences, his thoughts, and stories around the game of golf. So, without further delay, here's a conversation. Hey everyone, uh, Tom Coyne here, golf writer, traveler, guy, uh, senior writer at the Golfer's Journal, and write golf books, uh, mostly having to do with golf and travel, Ireland, Scotland, and now America. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you get started playing golf in the first place? Well, I kind of grew up in a golf golf family. My dad played, my brother played, uh, I was the youngest of five, and so I kind of resisted golf for a while because my older brother played and he was pretty good at it and I didn't want to do anything that, you know, he was doing, you know, or that he was already good at. So I, I, I resisted it. Well, not too long, probably to the age of like maybe nine. Um, and then started taking, you know, went to the junior clinic at Rolling Green Golf Club outside of Philadelphia, um, old William Flynn course. And, and I would play, I think the bug though really got started, you know, when I really got into the game was probably when I started caddying, which was around age 12. Um, and so that's sort of, you know, so at that point, rolling green, you know, the club becomes basically my summer camp, you know, I'm up there every morning to caddy. And then in the afternoon I'm out playing or hitting balls. So, I'm there six days, well, no, seven days a week because Monday with caddies would play. So, um, you know, all summer long and, uh, and, and really as a caddy trying to not get a loop <laughs> so that I could, so that I could go play. I was, a I was the laziest caddy. I mean, I was, I was, once I got out there, I was fine, but, um, I, I was happy to hide in the back of the bag room and, uh, and, and hope to not get out. My dad'd be like, man, you didn't get out again. I'm like, huh. I don't know. There's too many golf guys are taking golf carts, man. It's killing business. So, um, but yeah, I started playing that way. And then, um, you know, on that was on the junior golf team and got a little more into it, started going to like golf camps and a little more into it and then played in high school and, uh, flirted with playing in college, but that didn't really work out. Um, you know, so, but you know, yeah, it's been, so it's been, I've been around it and it's been a part of my life since I was pretty young. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't play in college, but, um, you had quite a few golf experiences in college. Can you kind of tell us a yeah. about, how, about kind of how you got the itch, uh, even, even more in college? Yeah. So I, I didn't play in college, but what happened was my freshman year, like in high school, um, foot, I played football and, and football was probably my, my number one sport, um, well, I, I mean, it would have been golf and football, and 
and and and flirted with the idea of playing football at Division three schools and stuff like that. I ended up going to Notre Dame, and I wasn't going to play football there. Um, they they weren't asking me uh, to come out for that team. Um, so the idea of playing college golf that was never something I pursued. I was kind of thinking more more along the lines of football. And this is like so I'm Tiger Woods's age. So being if you could like break eighty consistently in tournaments or you know or if you were a scratch player um at age 17 18 you get a college golf scholarship i mean that was like that was like uncommon golf talent you know and tiger changed everything now to where kids are like 13 years old and they're a plus five you know so that that's totally changed and 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 the ajga world um you know that that was kind of around but it wasn't as big of a deal but anyway like I went to college and so no ambition to play golf my freshman year. And then I was caddying that summer between my freshman and sophomore years. And, uh, actually I was out playing after caddying with one of the members and, and member hitting like a bad shot. And and he kind of turned to me and said, you know, it's the toughest thing is when you realize that you're never going to be as good as you once were. And, uh, and that like, that burned. I mean, I went, and God, I'm only 19. Like, give me a break. So, <laughs> but like, I peaked. I guess the year before I'd won the like, the, I was junior club champion, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, I beat like three dudes to, to win that. But, um, but I guess, you know, he was trying to tell me that, yeah, you know, you're a good junior player. Now, uh, you know, those, those days of just golfing as much as you wanted, you know, those days are over. And, uh, you know, I said, screw that. I want to go out for the golf team. I want to prove to him or prove to myself, you know, that my best golf isn't behind me. And, uh, so I, the rest of that summer, I really worked on my game, went out for the golf team at Notre Dame. And, uh, the first day I was, I, I, I played well, uh, I beat, um, probably half the guys on the team and, uh, looked like I was in good shape. And then, you know, the second day, um, I didn't do that. I, I put I hung up a big number, and and that was the end of my college golf career. My two days of college golf. Um, it was it was short lived. All worked out for the best, though. You know, I, I turned my attention elsewhere and focused on, um, uh, you know, my focused on my studies. I, I was a pretty I was a pretty hardcore student, I I'm for sure, and um, you know, started writing a ton and and you know, uh, was an English major who, who wrote for, wrote in the newspaper, the magazine, the wrote poetry in the journal and, and the, and, uh, wrote, wrote fiction, wrote, wrote basically every, anything anyone would let me write or would print. And, and what's so great about writing in college is there's so many avenues to, to get published and to, and to print stuff, even if it's, you know, for a few hundred people, it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was a great time. So that's, that's kind of what I did in college instead of, instead of playing golf. But the, you know, that idea though, the, 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 this idea of my best golf is behind me. Like I still refuse to believe that I still do, you know? I, and that's really, when I think about it, just having said that, I, I had to, I just realized like sitting here, that's like driving all these books and all this, all this stuff that I do is that, I, th- I still believe my best golf is ahead of me. Yeah, that's interesting because I still talk to people about how difficult it is to know that fact, to know that 
my best golf is behind me as well. And to just, you know, I hated golf for a little while because I was no longer competitive and I couldn't win golf tournaments anymore. And so, uh, I can, I can really identify with that, that, that there's this, this aspect of hope in the game. Uh, and that's, that's at least why I love it. And I can, I can see in your reading or your writing that this, this hope for, the next shot and the improvement and that sort of stuff is, is, is driving you towards, towards more golf. And I love it. So, yeah, I'm still totally obsessed with that. You know, I mean, tell me like my best golf's behind me and just, just put me in a box, dude. It's over. Like, what's the, what's the point, you know? So I, 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 you know, that, yeah, I I mean, I'm sure on some rational level, I understand that I cannot hit it as far as I could when I was 23 and um, I might never, well, you know, who knows? I'm actually, I'm playing pretty well on this trip. So I'm not going to say that, uh, say that, that, that I'm never going to reach certain numbers again. You know, I'm, I'm sniffing them. We've all, we've all played with those guys who, you know, hit it 250 in the fairway and then have a ridiculous short game and, just school us like crazy on the course. I mean, oh, I've, and they I've beat. Oh, they they kick, they kick my ass, and they, and they and they shoot sixty nine without breaking a sweat. You know, so yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid of getting. You know, I, we were I was getting fit for my cl- for a new shaft today in my driver, and it was like, um, you know, so I spent like four hours on track, man, and that's 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 just not good for your ego, dude. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, because we all have this thing in our minds, our swing speed is X and then you see that it's Y and you're like, what the hell dude? You know? So, so that it was like, and we were filming it too. I mean, I felt like I was naked. Um, you know, I'm like, man, it's like asking somebody your age or like telling them what you make, like to show everyone all the, all this data. I don't want anyone seeing, seeing this. This is, but, but the fact of the matter is, you know, but every once in a while I catch one and hell, if I'm downwind and downhill, I, I'll put it out there pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there, there were more golf experiences for you in college. Cause you had, yeah. did, did you study abroad then? Is that, I did. Yeah. So that was, the, that's uh, where Scotland kind of comes into yeah. the mix. And actually my first, um, one of my first experiences with Lynx golf, um, my my first experience with Lynx golf was in Ireland when I was like in high school. And then in college, I would <clears throat> take these trips with my dad to Ireland. And first they were like family trips that were like, all right, we'll uh, kind of look for tombstones with our name on them. And then we'll maybe play some golf. And then they were like just golf trips. Um, and I, I started to really fall in love with Lynx golf then. And, Cause it just felt like something completely different and wild and natural and so different than what I'd played at home. And it just, I don't know everything about it, the smell, the feel, the crunch of the grass, like it just, um, it, it, I, I, I identified with it and I like almost on like a metabolic level. It just felt like natural. Like this is where I was supposed to be. I mean, it's corny to say like, okay, I'm a, I'm a, redheaded Irish kid. So I've, you know, oh, I've come home to my roots and all that. I don't, I don't know if that, if that was it. I just identified with like, this is how golf should be played. So I fell in love with that. And then when I was studying in London, 
um, my junior year, we went up to on a bank holiday weekend. We, we went to Scotland, um, jumped on a train, and and it's still sort of you know I write about it in the Scotland book. It's the sort of golf weekend against which I measure all other golf trips. Still, um, I think we all have that trip that was just like man, that was that was perfect, right? And and I've taken my fair share of golf trips, and I've still and I've and I've certainly had had plenty that were just as good, if not better. But there's something about that one, you know. We 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 put our names in the ballot on a Thursday, jumped on the train on Friday, got up there at night to St Andrews, saw our name posted for the last tee time of the day on Saturday on the old course. You know, had to like go rent clubs, find a place to stay. It was just that time of your life where like it didn't matter if the food was good or if the, if the room was clean or if, you know, or if the clubs fit you or whatever, like all the crap that I worry about now when I travel, um, you know, at the age of, of 20, like it didn't, none of it mattered. It was, it was like, it was just the pure excitement of look at where we are and look at what we're doing. This is, this is awesome. And he, and he just walked around with that, that awe and that excitement um, that man, not that you become jaded as a traveler, but it's, it's pretty hard to get, um, you know, with this, it's pretty hard to find those experiences and moments where that still literally blow you away. Um, and I have to go farther and farther and farther to find them. And I, I still do, but um, that was just, that was just one weekend where it was just perfect. Um, and uh and that certainly that was my only experience though with golf in in scotland i i went on to go back to ireland many times right wrote a book about golf in ireland and 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 one weekend in st andrews was was all i knew about golf in scotland and it obviously became that became something that i needed to fix yeah so you you kind of touched on it i don't know if there's any more you want to say about this but i saw the list of like your top courses that you've ever played, your rankings of, I don't know, it's top 10, top 15, whatever it was. And like 90% of them are links courses. And you're, you're a guy from the United States. Yeah. And we don't really have links courses, like true links courses over here. What is it? Right. Can you, can you put your finger on like, what is it about links golf? Is it just kind of the, uh, everything that surrounds it is it is it like the history behind it is it the style of play what is yeah it that i mean you there's love so yeah, much about links there's a lot to it um you know two whole books worth honestly like in the scotland and ireland books and i will say that like that list of top courses will now definitely change that i've spent the last six months playing 300 courses in america uh you know which is i'm talking to you from dallas is what I'm doing right now. And, 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 and certainly that list will change, but, but it will definitely still be links heavy. Uh, and, and so a links golf course to me, you know, I mean, the word comes from, is a very old word for, um, link being, a, a, a sort of a Sandy Ridge or a hill or something. Basically it's, it's talking about dune land. Um, so a true links is laid upon dunes. It's laid upon sand. And that, that was, you know, land that was just left, you know, you couldn't grow anything on it. So when uh, Scott started playing this old, you know, this Dutch game golf, you know, they started, they could play it in the dunes. And uh, so going back and playing in that 
original golf's original arena playing on that kind of soil um playing soil that's always well it's not soil rather it's sand that that's always firm and fast because it drains like a colander right it's 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 sand based um that only grows like really hardy crunchy kind of grasses like kind of fescues and um and so you've got a certain kind just certain kind of vegetation and then a certain kind of of turf and land that's been shaped and molded by like millions of years of receding tides and and glaciers and you're playing on what was once the bottom of the ocean i mean all of that creates you don't have to know any of that to love lynx golf but when you do start to learn that stuff i mean walking across that landscape is it's pretty mind-blowing and 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 honestly it's a little bit spiritual for me i i think that there's this feeling that like the great links golf course is, is really been made by nature by god whatever you want to call it and that it's so suits that that landscape so perfectly suits this game as a player of that game it makes me feel just super grateful and like just really in tune with something you know what i mean like like god doesn't make basketball courts um or football fields may i mean and maybe in someone's religion god does but in, in mine um nature builds and creates these landscapes that the the best ones that they're so old they they couldn't move any earth they you know they didn't even have steam shovels so they just found golf courses along the edges of ireland scotland england wales and 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 just just played where you know they could tee where they could tee off and and they putted to where you know they could where the, where the land that was puttable and 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 a lot of courses still exist and feel like that um so for me that's just incredibly cool i also like the imaginative factor that you know because the ground is firm and uh, and on a good length course like most of the, the greens won't be fronted by anything they'll give you the chance to run the ball in you can play low shots um you know which is required when the wind is up um the fact there's a sort of this beautiful, you know, when you get the weather at a Lynx, you, you want to get the weather on a Lynx because it's this sort of the golf course works in conjunction with the wind and and the wind comes from the water, which is right over there. There's this sort of beautiful harmony of everything um, working together for creating like and all that feeds into how you have to hit a golf shot. That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm down. I'm totally into that, you know, and. and Hey, I love sitting on, you know, on a 75 degree day and on a beautiful bent grass fairway, launching a ball up into the air that I know is going to stop. But David McClay Kid has this great way of describing like what a Lynx course accomplishes and what it gives you. It gives you this thing he calls the bounce and the bounce, um, which comes from, you know, sandy soil, fescue fairways, that the ball, once the ball hits the ground, like the party's just starting. And and I I think that's 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 awesome. That's like when I'm playing a Parkland course over here, and I hit when the ball leaves the club face, I can tell you where it's going to land usually, how it's going to react. Like the party's kind of over once the ball leaves the club face. The party's just starting on a links course when it starts to run, and and that that's cool. I'm like, and when he described it that way, I'm like, you're right. You know, it's this. It's and and that really I think inspires the imagination. So I mean, and that's the reason that David like I'm finding you know do we have true links courses over here that that would satisfy all the factors of 
a, a real Lynx purist definition of it? Probably not. Um, cause even on courses, um, say at Bandon, you know, you'll have, um, Fescue Fairways, but you know, Ben, Ben Greens, Old McDonald is all Fescue. So is Gamble Sands in Washington. So, um, maybe we call them true links, but are they on water? I, I don't know. You know, so there's all these like little, like, well, it has this, it doesn't have that. I mean, the true links experience for me though. It's all those natural things, and then it goes to some other things that I think you only find in Ireland and Scotland. <clears throat> that would be the their approach to the game. That would be their the the way the towns revolve around these golf courses. That would be their visitor friendly approach. That would be the soup you get afterwards. Like there's all these uh, you know, or or the pints you have, or whatever you're into, like. There's all that other stuff too that goes with it that um is there's nothing really to do with golf, but for me it has a lot to do with the whole the the golf experience. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I've never done a a trip across seas for golf and that, I think Shame I, on you. I know that that's one of the reasons that I think I love your writing is because um it literally like when I'm when I'm in bed before I go to sleep, I'm reading your book and it's like giving me chills because I want to do it. I want to go do that so badly, but you're putting me there into something I've oh, never experienced you. in the game. And so if anyone listening here has not read uh, your books, I highly recommend it. Obviously that's why I've got you on here. Um, but you, you, you take the game and, and make it like an experience as you read it. And so that's, that's an incredible uh, talent you have obviously and uh, and it's it, it makes me want to go over there and experience what you just told me even more Thank than you. I did before so um, well you should come we'll do uh, I, I run come on the coin cup I run trips every year and we're, we're we do um, we do all sorts of it's been a fun thing to grow out books is um, that I didn't expect is that sort of a little bit of a community is um, that either sort of follows where I'm going or comes with me, which is even better. Um, so I, like this year I took 60 people to Scotland. Um, this upcoming year, I'll probably take a hundred people to Ireland on two different trips. Um, yeah. So I would I mean, love all that to stuff do that. You can, yeah. 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 I'll look at, I'll, I put, yeah, I'll look check into it that. out. It's yeah. on either on my website or, um, on my social at coin writer, all that good stuff. But, um, that's that's really cool uh and even characters from the books will will come on those trips and and so you kind of get to relive it a little bit but i mean i that's very generous of you to say that i think that you know golf as a writer golf has given me a great backdrop to explore a lot of different things that i mean my training i went to graduate school to be a fiction writer and my first book was a novel um so i kind of stumbled i'm sort of an accidental golf writer um you know in writing a novel about patty who was like a golf prodigy um, that sort of got me into the golf world and writing for the golf magazines and stuff. And, and so next thing you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a golf writer and, and what a happy accident that was. Cause it combined the only two things I really knew anything about. Um, but as a writer, like I want to talk about characters. I want to have, I want to write about conflict. I want to write about people. I want to, I want to, wrestle with this question of like why do people do the things that they do which i think is the big question that's at the heart of all art and all writing and everything is 
and I want to I want to play around with that stuff. Golf gives me a great opportunity to do that because it's full of interesting people, and you get to go to interesting places. I mean, I, I think that if the books are about anything, I think it's it's about people, places, problems, obsessions, quests, all those things that I think any good story have to be about. Mine just happened to be if they are good stories, they just happen to take place, um, in the golf world. You know, they're, they're not, um, I don't spend a lot of time like describing, you know, I'll never write a passage where I describe every hole on every golf course or, you know, go on and on about, well, I hit five iron here. And then the next hole I thought, Ooh, how about a seven? That stuff bores me. And if, and if I'm bored as the writer, um, imagine how bored, the reader's going to be but what i'm when i get psyched as a reader or when i'm writing something it's i've got a character in a circumstance and they're not quite sure what to do and and you know and that's in your daily life that happens all the time when i'm traveling that happens 10 times a day and uh and so if i can capture that you know it gives me a lot to write about yeah i was just actually saying to my wife like you know Golf is one of those things I love to do, but I don't want to hear about someone's round. Like I'm an instructor. No, exactly. I, I, I'm a I'm a teacher. I'm a professional uh, golf instructor. So I, when my students go out and they come back and they tell me about their round, like I feel invested in it. But mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about someone's round that I didn't have anything that that I'm not involved with, you know. And somehow you make with your characters and the, the, how you incorporate the, the, the golf course and everything, it makes me want to read about golf, which is extremely unusual for me, even, even as a golf <laughs> addict. So it's a, you're doing a good job. So I'll just Thank say that. You. Um, well, we can't, I was going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about my last three rounds, but oh well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing worse, man. Yeah. No, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You like, want to, you want to be doing it, not reading about it. So, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you, you wrote your first golf book was a, a fiction book and then you yeah. start going into these, these journeys. What was, what was it that inspired, I guess the journey golf books that you have with paper tiger with uh ireland scotland and now america yeah to, to kind of experience it and write about your experience what was that that kind of transition like yeah so i mean i spent a couple years after a gentleman's game trying to write another novel um you know because i you know again i went to school for fiction writing in graduate school i wrote a novel and, you know when you wrote if you're someone who wrote a novel that means you wrote a second novel and a third novel and um and I wasn't right. And I didn't want to write another golf novel because I'd already done that. And, you know, I wrote that book when I was 23 years old. And uh, so honestly, at that point, that's pretty much all I knew about the world <laughs> was in that book, which was very little, you know, like at 23, what the hell did I know? Well, I, it, it, I, I poured everything I knew into that book. And, and once I finally sort of realized that, I said, well, I have to go out and live a new adventure and find a new experience, right? And and so the idea was, all right, I'm, if I'm going to do another golf book, you know, what would be my dream? You know, it, this this sort of notion of going out and living golf dreams, I thought, well, one, I would love to do that. And two, I think readers would identify with it because, you know, uh, so the idea came up for Paper Tiger. You know, my dream would be to like give playing pro a chance and give it a shot um 
what would that be like if I had everything the pros have? Coach, rank, trainer, sponsors, all that stuff, and just play golf. For I, I played golf 542 days in a row. Like, how good could I get? And um, and and what would that experience be like? And not only would I get something out of that uh, as a golfer and as a writer, but I think it's something that every golfer sort of dreams and wonders about. You know, you hit one good shot and you think, why can't I hit two, three, four, five good shots? You know, why can't I hit 67 good shots today? You know, so um, is, if it's just a matter of consistency, I can figure consistency out. So like golf, that's the wonderful allure. And maybe the trick of golf is is that it does, it, it lends itself to making you believe you're better than you probably are. and um, And that's okay. Because you know what? Sometimes we are that good. It's pretty damn rare, but sometimes we are. Um, so it's good. So, yeah, so I made the transition into, you know, I pitched. Writing nonfiction is nice because you write book proposals versus writing the whole book, like when you're writing a novel. So um, I wrote a, a proposal about this idea for Paper Tiger and, and my publisher went for it. So, you know, I moved to Florida and started living that life. And once I was in the into the nonfiction world, I, I I liked it. I mean, I, I think I, I came into a voice that, um, well, it was my voice because I'm a main character in the story. It's a voice I enjoyed writing. It's an, a voice that people thankfully sort of started to identify with a little bit. And, uh, and so the, you know, that book had some success, which allowed me to sort of keep going down that path of, of writing these adventure stories, all of which I think have these themes of like, if you could do something really uncommon or if you could live your dream or if you could just take the thing you're like most interested in and make it your absolute obsession, like what is that life like? And I'll tell you what, it's not all, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. Um, and I think that that's an important part. Like I made, I made all of these quests intentionally somewhat difficult. Um, whether it be, you know, trying to play pro golf walking the coast of Ireland, uh, playing 110 rounds courses in Scotland in 57 days or, or playing golf in all 50 States in the United States and playing every U S open course to every course ever host us open, which is what I'm doing right now. Um, you know, like don't shed any tears for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm a lucky, lucky guy to get to do this, no doubt. But it has, there has to be a challenge. Like it has to be tough. Nobody wants to read about, wow, I just had another awesome day, man. Just played some more great golf. Um, the, the, these kind of adventures, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stumbles in the road and, um, sometimes quite literally and, uh, and, and any good story needs those. Yeah. Yeah. So with, um, with a course called Ireland, you had the, the tagline was kind of in search of a, a country, a pint, and the next tea, right? Yeah. And then the Scotland was kind of looking for the secret of golf. Do you have uh, what the kind of hook tagline is for a course called America, which is what you're on right now? Yeah. I mean, for me right now, and this could always change because, who knows, you know, lots of things change before publication. But for me, this is the search for the great American golf course. And that requires me to figure out <clears throat> essentially two things. Um figure out what makes a golf course truly great. Um, and that's a question I've been asking people around the country as I go. And, uh, you know, what is it? Is it the, and, and I'm experiencing golf courses. So I'm not just playing, you know, 
fancy country clubs or historic courses. Like I'm playing a little bit of everything, not nine holers, munis, resorts, top 100 courses, um, like bottom 100 courses. And, you know, to try and get a sense of like what really makes a golf course great. And, and, and so that, that's interesting. And by playing, you know, all the U S open venues, um, that's giving me an opportunity to sort of tell the history of American golf as well along the way, you know, as, as I'm trying to figure out what makes an American golf course great, then I need to sort of figure out what golf in America is. And, and so that was sort of the idea. If I played every U S open venue, then even just by accident, I will tell the history of golf in America. Um, so, so there's that part of it, but the other part of it that's interesting is that word American, the great American golf course. <clears throat> that's probably the more interesting word or question rather to me is what does that, what does American mean in 2019? Um, it's a very interesting time in our country. Uh, it's obviously, you know, a divided time. And I think that, you know, the book is not going to be political at all. And what's been wonderful is I've been able to sort of avoid just by traveling the country and not listening to the news. Um, I'm getting a very different sense of, of America, you know, by sitting on my couch and watching the news in Philadelphia, you get so, you get depressed and, and you're just like, man, what, what the hell is going on? And I saw, so I'm like, you know, rather than just sit here and, and feel like all is lost in terms of like our national identity or getting along with people or like, you know, like, let's go out and meet people and go out and see the country. I don't know anything about my own country. I know much more. I mean, I know some things, but I know much more about Scotland and Ireland than I do about Colorado or Mississippi or South Dakota or Washington State. You know, all these places that I have guesses of what life is there is like, but I don't really know. So I went and I've gone and I'm, I, I only have a few states left. And I'll tell you, it's been a very heartening, positive experience. Um, it's really lifted my spirit about America. Um, and, and, you know, it's, I don't want to give away, I guess, what I'll write about, <laughs> everything I'll write about in the book, but people in this country are good. I mean, they're, re they're good people. You know, um, we tend to highlight and focus on our worst, uh, in ourselves and in others. And, uh, uh, but you get out here and you, and you, and you realize, you know, people are just people, they're doing their thing. They're just trying to, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can. They're, they're trying to do as well as they can. They're trying to, you know, provide they're they're trying to get a little time to do something fun they're they're trying to get out to golf when they can some people are you know the people i'm a lot of people i'm hanging out with um and and you know and and politics and what you believe on this and that you know that that's that's not what makes people who they are and in, in terms of the people that i'm meeting at least you know those these are things that aren't even aren't even discussed if you watch the news you'd think that's all we discussed so it's been, it's been very positive and I, I, I've just, everywhere I've gone, I've met fantastic people and, you know, and that's, that's been, uh, that's been really good. That's awesome. That's so cool to hear. I, I mean, I was just saying to someone the other day that like, uh, 
they had asked what I loved about golf. And one of the things that came up was it's, it's one of the things that unifies people more than they then divides them, you know, absolutely. If you're, you're talking about all this division and stuff, but you're seeing how good people can be around unifying around the game of golf. And that's, that's really cool. It's cool. I mean, it's the great space of universal accord is like the first tee. And it's not just because I'm playing with a bunch of rich white dudes. Like that's not how this, that's not what this trip is. Like if you were saying, you could say, well, your sample size is totally skewed and, and, and it's probably a little bit skewed, but you know, when I, when I go to, you know, the, the, the municipal golf course in the middle of Florida and a dude just got off the, the, the night shift at the mill and uh you know and is playing in sneakers and uh and and and, you know we're playing a ten dollar golf course and he's not that that sample you know he's not a country club dude and uh and and you know and we go out and four hours later we're we're like bonded and 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 talking shorthand to each other and busting each other's chops like that's cool and uh and 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 so yeah it's been it's been good yeah that's awesome so can you give us a little bit of a uh people who are listening what what your uh plan and your schedule has been for a course called america like when did you start and what was kind of your route and what do you have left over i guess yeah well it's been going on for a while now it's pretty it's been pretty insane i mean the planning was um probably i guess the better part of a year putting together the itinerary between like when I first announced the book and then, um, or, and, you know, my publisher gave, you know, gave the thumbs up, bought the book, um, the proposal rather. And then probably spent the better part of the year trying to plan it and map it out. And that process involved basically soliciting, um, suggestions from friends and social media followers and readers and whatever. Um, you know, where should I go in each state um, to see like what people think are really interesting places or places that have stories or that are really representative of, of like golf in America or whatever. So, I mean, that list, <clears throat> I started off at about 500 golf courses oh, wow. and uh, yeah, and I, sh- I showed that to my wife and um, that didn't, that didn't go over very well. St. Saint, Saint Allison, God bless my wife, Allison, or there would be none of these books would exist. Yeah. She's the best. <laughs> uh, she is the best. Um, so, you know, so I started to chop away at that and realized like the story needed a, some sort of tent poles. So we thought, all right, let's let these, the U S open venues be tent poles because some of them are very famous and people want to hear about them. Some of them are like totally unknown and that'll be really interesting. And, 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 and again, that way I'll sort of get to tell the story of golf in America by visiting all of those. So that they, they sort of became sort of anchors. And then I thought, well, I'm going to go if I'm doing that, I'm going to do all 50 states. Um, so basically, um, you know, it took a lot of time to come to come up with a final list. Of, the, the final list was like around 300 and I'll, I'll probably go to between 250 and 300 courses. Started I started in April. Um well, I, I banged out a few courses in Florida in April on spring break and that, or uh, during some trip. But I guess officially the first round was May 14th at Newport Golf Club because that's where they had the first U.S. Open. And then basically from there, uh, I was on a 36-a-day 36, 36 hole. Uh, <laughs> that's hard to say. 
36 holes a day, binge, um, right up until daylight savings. And now, I, which is kind of chopped. It's, it's a bummer. Now I'm sort of more closer to 18 a day. Um, but the route was, you know, I did sort of that. I was in Connecticut. The first chunk I did Connecticut and Long Island, New Jersey, back down to Philadelphia. So where I'm my home base having and having two little kids, um, that that was sort of an anchor that I was trying to get back to every two weeks, you know, to back to get home and see my kids and uh, and my wonderful wife. So um, but the first leg was like three weeks. Uh, then I went to the Pacific Northwest for a couple weeks. Went up to uh, up to Alaska on the summer solstice. That was I highly recommend that. Uh, let's see. Came back and did did the Midwest. Um, did the Dakotas. Did Wyoming. Came back. Did the South. Came back. Did some more of the middle of the country. Kansas, etc. Came, came back. Now I'm in Texas. Oh, then I did New England in the fall, which was beautiful. Um, and long. There's a lot of great golf up there. Um, came home. Now I'm in Texas and I'll be going from, I'll be doing Texas, New Mexico, uh, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, um, flying home for Thanksgiving. And then I'll fly back out and do California and Hawaii. And that will be it. That will be that. So the, 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 there's light at the, at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, uh, it's been crazy, man. I mean, life, it's, it's been, you know, I'm just living in hotels and, or it, 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 if the course will put me up, I'll live there or staying with friends. And so like, I'm just, you know, I've been living out of a bag for six months and, um, you know, but that's my part's easy. The hard part is, you know, my wife at home raising two, two kids without me. Um, but this fun, it was fun this summer. They came out on a couple trips. They came to big Cedar lodge with me in the Ozarks. Um, Did you play tigers? we went to Scotland. It was it, tigers was the, the front nine was grassed and the back nine wasn't grassed yet. So, um, I'll go back. It looks awesome though. I mean, that property, it's like, they just, uh, it's basically, it's like Bandon for families. Like, cause there's, like, you know, it's got, it'll have three or four courses now because it has all these par three courses too. But then it's got all these family activities, you know, it's Bass Pro Shops basically. So it's, you got your fishing and your, and your adventure zone and all this stuff. So it was pretty awesome golfing in the morning and then the kids having a total blast in the afternoon, which is obviously as much as we all love the Kaiser properties, you better be there at golf. Um, and that is, that's actually what makes them so great is, you know, you're going there, just the golfers are going, but, um, it's kind of fun to be able to actually bring the family along and, and big Cedar lodge was killer for that. It was so good. Yeah. So, uh, there, there are kind of two stops that I want to hear about. Um, the first one, I'm so, uh, disappointed that I missed because it, it was right down the street from where I, where I live, uh, Waveland in Des Moines. I, uh, I just happened to pull up one day your social media and I saw like that night that you had played that day. And I was like, how the heck did I miss this? 
Dude, you got to stay tuned in. I, Hashtag, of course, called America. I, well, I've I've been following, and somehow I missed that. Um, so, what'd you think? That's of wa- a bummer. Yeah, what'd you think Waveland of Waveland? Is going on. It's totally going on a top something list. Um, I don't quite know where I'll fit it in in terms of like, you know, I'll have different lists for like the top fancy places, the top unis, top community courses, top nine holers, all that. But Waveland is going at the top of one of those lists. I thought a very fitting name. I mean, that topography is nuts. Um, I mean, that was a, that was a haul. We walked and and uh, man, uh, I, I absolutely loved it. It was in great shape. Um, the pro is awesome. It's just like a cool old spot. It's, it's got, it's got design heritage. I mean, it's the kind of, it's probably the kind of public golf course that like every city or town at one point had. And then, but like 90% of them went to crap and, uh, and Waveland is, did not. Um, so, so that one, that one represented very strongly for, uh, for, for Des Moines. Yeah. When I, when I saw that on your highlight or, or else you posted on Instagram or something, I literally yelled across the room to my wife, Tom Coyne was in Des Moines today and I missed it. <laughs> what, did I, what have I been doing? I guess that's what having a two-year-old will do to you if you get distracted. Seriously. No, I'll be back. I'll be, I'll, we'll do, we'll do a, uh, we'll have a Waveland trip or something, yeah, man. I yeah. want to, br- I want to bring people to these, you know, to golf, like, that are not these, the obvious destinations, you know, that's one of the fun things to do on this trip is I, I'm, as I'm driving around, I'm like, you know what, we could do like a cool Mississippi slash Arkansas golf trip, you know, like that's these funny, like I'm imagining these funny itineraries and, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Well, put me on your list whenever you do All something, right. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm, I'm going to check out those, uh, Europe trips you got. So, yeah, was sure. was uh, Waveland the only one in Iowa you did? Uh, what else would I have done in Iowa? Let me think. There was uh, there's the Harvester, but I think it was it's closed this year. It well, it opened. Didn't play the Harvester. Through. There could have been another one. I think I went from I I can't even keep track of of where and when I went. I feel like I went somewhere else in Iowa too, though. But um, well, the other one I wanted to ask you about was. So I used to be a pro at Prairie Dunes in Hutchinson, Kansas. Yeah. And that was the other one that I yelled at my wife when I saw on the Instagram story that you played with Bill Murray and Brian Doyle Murray at yeah. Prairie Dunes, which is just like all my favorite things combined. <laughs> and uh, so I instant, like, I instantly yeah. texted my buddy who's, you know, I the, the, the head pro and the assistant pro are still friends of mine there and uh, said, Tom Coyne is playing there today with Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray, and I want to be there. Uh, so, so I want to hear like how how'd you get connected to Prairie Dunes and Bill yeah. Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, all those guys. What what was that like? That's all very top secret. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it was so cool that that we were like it was funny because we had already mentioned we were you know talked about doing the podcast and then. Um, one of the assistants came up and was like, yo, Eric was just texting me that you're here. And, uh, he used to be the pro here. So it was, you know, all worlds gliding. It was cool, um, to make that connection with, with the place. So yeah, when I was planning, um, Kansas, uh, Prairie Dunes, cause of where it's located, like 
as I started to break the country into different chunks, like Prairie Dunes, like just sat in this spot where it was like, I just can't get to you. You know, like it was, it was, it wasn't on my North, like my Northern States and then my Midwestern stuff, like Prairie Dunes just kind of sat there and I'd already played another course in Kansas, um, like a, a, a sand green course. And, uh, so I was like, all right, I'm not going to get to it. But then I remembered like Brian Doyle Murray was a member there. Now, Brian was in, um, a gentleman's game. My first book was made into a movie and Brian was in it. And, uh, and it was, and he was played a caddy in the movie. I mean, what a thrill, like, you know, I'm, again, I'm like 24 years old and here's Brian Murray who wrote Caddyshack and is Lou the caddy master. And he's playing a caddy in this movie. I wrote about caddies. I mean, I wish I knew how cool, I wish I appreciated how awesome that was then, then, you know, you're just like too young and stupid. You're like, yeah, this is fun. Um, anyway, that was awesome. So Brian and I kind of kept in touch a little bit, sort of over the years, um, met up and played golf in LA once. And, um, and then I, I reunited, like I was hanging out with his brother, Joel in Chicago when I was coming through and doing Chicago on, on this trip. I played there one of their places they used to play and Canal Shores. They used to play a lot when they were kids, the, the Murray brothers. So I was like, yo, and then I remembered, I'm like, Brian's at Prairie Dunes. I really should go. And, uh, so, so I texted Brian and, and again, we hadn't spoken in, in a long time. So it was nice to just sort of reunite. And, and he said, Hey, yeah, you know, I can get out there that weekend. He's, he lives in the Midwest now. And, uh, he does his voice work in Atlanta. He goes, he's like right between Atlanta and Los Angeles. So it's, you know, he's still like on SpongeBob and all that stuff. So, um, so it's actually convenient. He's in the middle of the country now and he, he loves it. So he's like, yeah, I'll come down and see you that weekend. And then he followed up later telling, um, mentioning that, um, uh, that Bill was going to join us. And, uh, and that was a pretty happy, that was a nice, nice, that was a nice surprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it wasn't, you know, I, I, they're just the, the greatest, the great thing about the, the weekend was, um, honestly how normal the whole thing and fun and nice. The whole thing was that, that, that there were times that I would forget that I'm with Bill and Brian Murray. Um, just cause they're, just good, normal dudes. And, uh, and then there were times when I'd be sitting there, like I'm watching the Ed Sullivan show reruns, like with, with Bill Murray right now on a Friday night. I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is insane. Right. But then at the end of the day, they're just like normal dudes who love to play golf and are, um, and and they're from a big, you know, Irish Catholic family. I can relate to that. Like they're, my mother's a Murray. Like there's just, I don't know. We just, we just kind of have a, we, we, we have a good vibe or at least Brian and I've always had a good vibe. And, um, and Bill is, um, really loves his golf and was really into the golf and, uh, um, was super to everyone that, you know, uh, at Prairie Dunes. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure when you were there, I mean, Brian was a member probably because yep. yep. he's been there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, he was. He came a couple times. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, he's just, uh, 
it's a great spot. I mean, I love the, uh, the, you know, the cottages back there and the golf course is insanely good. It's so damn hard with that gunge though. Yeah. Uh, yeah it is. I, oh God. Yeah. It's nice when they burn it and you can play a couple rounds with, uh, no gunge. I know the burn it though. And it's going to come, it comes back strong. It's like, it does. It does. <laughs> it comes back. It's like shaving, right? Like the more you shave it, it's going to come back thicker. Um, so, uh, it's tough. It's tricky. Yeah. One of the things I just loved about Prairie Dunes is what it was just all about the golf. Like nowhere else that I had I had worked in clubs was about the golf and it just brought so many people together. You had just completely normal people, uh and then you had people like Brian Dole Murray, but you had you had so many other like really high profile people on the same place playing golf. Like it, it was just for the golf and um and it was phenomenal golf and it was almost just hidden gem that like people didn't know about or didn't, or, you know, it, not avoided, but it was just, it was just a gem and it's one of my favorite places on earth. And it's just oh, it's a total gem. I mean, it's Perry Maxwell genius. It's like, it's just so good. The layout is so awesome and natural and fun and interesting and challenging it's got everything going for it and uh you know and and you're right though i mean it's it's a real interesting vibe there because you can tell there's there's some like serious high rollers bouncing around but you're in hutch like you're 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 like not even that close to wichita kansas so like you're you're in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and um and and so yeah i guess that certainly helps add to the the hidden gem gemminess of it um, and that it's also a private club. I mean, like, you know, Bandon's hard to get to, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a visitor course. Um, so people have to really kind of know about it and want to be there. And you also, you're right. Like you said, there's nothing to do there but golf. So you really got to want to be there and you want to golf. And, uh, that's a, that's a good thing. It was, a, it was a fun place to live for, uh, I was there about 18 months when I was, uh, single and, mid twenties and just played golf all day, worked, worked and played golf. So that was a good place. Mary, that's but, awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, so where are you playing at in, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth? Oh, where am I playing? So, uh, Northwood tomorrow and Texas star, um, Northwood had a U.S. open. So I'm going to play there. Then I'm going over to, where am I going? Colonial. Uh, I can't, I get Houston and Dallas mixed up. Um, stupid Yankee. Um, yeah, Colonial. Then I go down to Houston and play Champions. And then, uh, Friday I'm in Austin. We're going to go to Lions Municipal and Austin Country Club. San Antonio. Then out towards Lajitas. Marfa. Then I go across West Texas and try not to, um, lose my, uh, yeah. 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 Well, driving across West Texas alone, that's going to be, that could be a very short or very long chapter. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So a uh, couple more questions here and then I'll, I'll let you go. But um, so w- once you get done with the trip, how long does it take you to, uh, to then write the book or have you been writing the book as you go? And like, what's kind of the anticipated release date of A Course Called America? Yeah, well, I never sit down to write page one, you know, until the whole thing's finished because <clears throat> you don't even know what it's really about until it's all done and you can reflect on it. I mean, I I, I know what it's going to be about, but 
what are the three lines, the characters, all those kinds of things like that, that you don't know until you have some time to really digest the whole thing. So I take um, a lot of notes. Uh, actually, now, I, since I have all these long drives, I dictate a lot of notes. Mm, yeah. As I drive, I sort of collect everything that happened every day. And then um, that's, you know, my working journal. So I have all the raw material. And then uh, I go back and I'll, I, I, you know, have, then I go and start writing the story and I have the material to go back and reference when I need it to, as, as, as reminders. You know, the good stuff, though, you don't really need as much reminding. It's still very fresh in your memory. Um, so but I, I hope to have the book finished by the summer uh, delivered to my publisher by then, because the way the schedule works, at least for me is, um, I mean, you can rush book, you, you can rush books and get them out more quickly, but ideally you submit a book a year before it comes out. Uh, cause the editing process can take about six months and then the marketing process, um, to do it right can take, take about six months. So the hope, the hope would be Father's Day 2021. I mean, that's that. No, that's not the hope. That's the that's when it's coming out. So I have to finish it this summer for it to come out next summer. All right. So I know what I'm asking for for Father's Day in 2021. There you, go. <laughs> you know what everybody's getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So pre-order the, now. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't, you can't pre-order them yet. But anyway. So uh, I think I know the answer to this, but this is the question I always like to wrap up with. Um is what is your favorite course of all time? I think you've answered it in a book, but maybe you've, maybe it's changed over the years. Yeah, no, I'll still go with my, I think one, not only do I still believe this, but it's handy to have a go-to because you do get asked this, but um, my favorite place is, is Carn in Northwest Ireland um, in uh, County Mayo and on, and belt out on the um, Isle or Peninsula or whatever of Bell Mullet. Um, very remote, hard to get to, an old Eddie Hackett course. Actually, not that old, but an Eddie Hackett course. Built by nature, and uh, you go out there, you feel like you're at the end of the earth. It's just a place where I, I feel very, very comfortable. And I love the people there, and I love that because of the Ireland books, some people have found it. And that means a lot to me because it makes a difference uh, for rural Irish communities like that. And uh, so I, I try to go back. I mean, I've probably been back there five years in a row. I try to go back every year. Um, I just I just love everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's we, we haven't had this podcast for very long. This is you'll be about the 10th or 11th episode. But um, we had Jim Ang on. uh probably five or six, fifth or sixth episode. Oh, he probably said Karn too. He did. He did. So you're the, you're, you're the second person to say Karn. And Aww, that's, I take it back. Then. The, the, I'm yeah. to be the only one. No, I'm just well, kidding. well, that's, uh, that's not one of those courses that I guess you hear a ton about, but the fact that no. both of you guys have, have said it, I, I looked up a video of like, you know, the, the drone flyovers on YouTube, uh, a little yeah. while ago. And, it looks unbelievable. So it's it's like skyrocketed to the top of my bucket list. Good. You always get crappy weather there, but if you get a sunny day, man, there's nothing better in the world. And so and, and of the people you have on your show, you you pick the two probably <clears throat> in America who would say that. Or or not because Karn isn't that good, but we both Jim and I have a rare affinity for it. Same with um John Garrity, uh from Sports Illustrated. So you could have him on, he'd say the same thing too. 
but um yeah jim jim even like you know contributed to the designing of the the, the new nine as well so he um he's he was he's super involved there yeah yeah, yeah. I was. so so maybe I'll, I'll tweak that last question a little bit do you have a favorite american course that you've that you've ever played Ooh, favorite American course. That's what I have. That's the whole book's about. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm not telling you <laughs> You're that. You're not getting that. Okay, so everyone's got to ruin the book. Everyone's right got to read the book. Everyone's got to read the yeah. book in 2021 to Sheesh. figure out what the answer to that is. All right. <laughs> that's I'll perfect. say Waveland right now. Waveland, okay. That's... Just to make you happy there. Okay, Waveland and Prairie Dunes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. One, two. Yeah, okay, cool. Um. Awesome. Well, is there any way that uh, my listeners can kind of follow your your journey and uh, well, connect yes, with you? Can. Awesome. Indeed. Let's hear about so it. Twitter, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at CoinWriter C O Y N E at CoinWriter. Instagram probably you know you get more images from from the road, but either it's great or Facebook at CoinWriter. Um, TomCoin.com, my website, so you can reach out to me through any of those places and uh, follow along. All right, I'll yeah. link to all that in the description notes of this episode. And uh, awesome, yeah. Thanks for being here. I I, I really appreciate this conversation. I kept you a little longer than normal, but um, no, it I was just, fun. I just love this stuff. So well, thanks for having me, buddy. We'll uh, we'll tee it up. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and rate The Looper wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Looper Podcast. Talk to you next time.